Welcome back to episode eight of The Tasting Room. We are now Troy Aikman years old. Number eight. We are number eight. Cheers, buddy. Yeah. We have a special, we won't say announcement, but the 10th episode will be a uh, unique one that we'll tell you about maybe after episode nine. Maybe Ooh. at the end of episode nine. Are we living a, leaving a cliffhanger? It's a him? tease. It's a tease. Yes. We've got a fun fun idea for 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 that episode Absolutely. and it'll it'll be really cool. And speaking of fun, this week's guest was Noah Bush, uh, one of the owners of Hodges Bend, Lowood, Saturn Room, uh box or uh, open container at Boxcar. He's involved at Topeka with Chip Gabarino. Uh his name is Noah Bush and he is a stud. That was a great how, talk. How um how can you fit that much time into There's your not day? that many hours in the day. No, no, I'm 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 trying to think about you know opening up a second tap room and I'm like, right. uh, Lisa's always like, well, how are we going to do that? Do we have enough time for Just that? Just make it work. <laughs> he brought us this beautiful <laughs> bottle of wine, which has something to do with elephant skulls and cyclops. So we and, will leave and, it at that. Yeah, it's and delicious. In a, a different world and a uh, yeah. different, different terroir. You want to get right to it? That's right. All right, Noah Thank Bush. You. After the break. Cheers. Hey, I'm John. I'm one of the partners here at Grassfire Creative. We are a production company. We do animation, video production, live production, anything you need to creatively tell both your story and your business's story. Along with the content that we create, we also provide the strategy behind how to get it in front of the eyeballs that matter to you. We're located right in the middle of the United States in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so no matter where you are, we're just a short flight away. Bottom line is we are very excited to both meet you and tell your business's story. Please do reach out to us one of the ways below via email or phone number and check out more about us at our website, grassfirecreative.com. Welcome back to the tasting room, everyone. Thank you so much. We've been doing this for two months now, and that feels like an accomplishment. I didn't realize it's been two months. Yeah, it's been two months. Episode eight. So you're that was my football number growing up. So we'll say lucky number eight. Right on. Well, we'll, we'll and, go with that. Okay, and we're really good. excited to have Noah Bush here. Who, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. <laughs> man, you've that. been keep, you've been keeping people within the libations for how many years now? Oh man, you're going to make me do that. Um, I don't, uh, it's going to show my age. Uh, I've been bartending, oh God, since I was, is the Able Commission going to hear this? No, since you were 12. Yeah, I mean, I started bartending when I was 20. I was underage. I was working in a place. It's, it's no longer around, so they're not going to get in trouble. Statues of limitations are way yeah, gone. Yeah, by way yeah. gone. Um, and I am going to be, 39 next week right on so happy well, early birthday yeah thank you yeah no no other place i'd rather be right now so, so no. for our for our listeners you own and run saturn room hodges lowwood and are you involved with the topeka yeah i help i help run those with my partner chip gabarino right on um and then we've got uh, uh open container um the rooftop bar at the box yard well. Oh, cool. I didn't know that you were involved. With I that. actually forgot. You have so many things that I forget <laughs> some of the things that you have. I do too sometimes. Well, there's only so many hours in the day. How do you, like, this isn't one of our, we'll have a six pack of questions for you at some point, but I'm just curious, like, there's so many hours in a day. So how do you 
delineate uh, who gets what is it whatever's the hottest fire yeah that's basically it yeah. at least during the time of covid um Fair. you know any Goodness. any plan is provisional uh and i set out on my day and then i get a call and then i my plans are torpedoed <laughs> what <laughs> right? you thought yeah. you were doing is not yeah, what you exactly. end up doing yeah exactly i get that well i'll start pouring um We'll start with the bourbon like we normally do. I'm excited for this one. So I'm a big bourbon guy, obviously. Kentucky Owl is one of my favorite distilleries. And I, I've never had like their, we'll call it adult bottle, mm-hmm. because it's about $300, between $250 and $300. This bottle is? No, no, the Kentucky Owl. Oh, They're okay. like single bourbon, whatever they call it. See, I don't even know. I've never bought it. I don't know what the label says, but I just know it's that expensive. Fair. They have this one that came out that's called The Wise Man, and it... It's a collaboration they did with someone else in Kentucky, and I'm not sure who, and it doesn't say on the bottle, but this one retails for about 50. Ooh. And it's, I, I want your opinions on it. I mean, you're a Psalm, you have a good palate. Uh, um, yes, I, I guess, yes. So <laughs> it's been said before. It's been said. I will get a little more than that. Come on. And you can ask your question right while on I'm, while I'm pouring. So, Noah, uh, you know, one of the things that's going through my mind um, when I was thinking about what kind of questions and what kind of conversation that we're going to have it's today, yeah, <laughs> nice, nice stiff pour. Yes. Uh, Cheers. Was Cheers. Um, one the the cool thing is is I have never met you, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So thank you for being on the podcast, um, and this is a really fun way to meet someone. But what drew you into owning bars and uh, service industry businesses within the Tulsa area because all of your, let's call it bars and coffee joints are, man, you can you can draw almost a three-mile circle and you've got basically all of them there. Um, so what, what drew you into that area? What made you decide this is where we want to be within this community? And, um, and man, you've got so many projects. So what drew you into those projects? And, and, uh, it's like a five part question. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking, were you about taking being, notes during that? Yeah. I'll, I'll try, I'll try and address all of your <laughs> and questions. I, and I can remind you too, because <laughs> I was excited to, 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 to learn that from you mm-hmm. and really kind of dive into your methodology mm-hmm. of what your, your company is accomplishing. So, uh, kind of, so Chip and I met up in Open Hodges together. Uh, that was our first project together. He, he already had, um, the Topeka Hyatt and, um, at the time the Topeka Mayo and then the roastery. Uh, and then we had met through various friends, uh, you know, really bonded over, over our love of coffee and wine and, and booze. We liked to get drunk to drunk together, basically. Um, <laughs> Start libations, of every good Libations usually right? do that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and we decided we, we both wanted to open up kind of the same, the same concept. I, I think, you know, to sort of answer your question, why, I, why is because I, I kind of had something to say about the way that people were drinking specifically in this town and eating um you know we've always had a a really good uh, hospitality culture here uh but there was some uh, like there were some deficiencies maybe some misfires of a of a couple of things um and really you know at the time um 
downtown, you had the Depeca coffees, you had Valkyrie that had been open for like a year, maybe more. I was going to uh, ask a little bit more. You guys were to the uh-huh. same age. And then, um, uh, you had Elliot's concepts. Um, and that was it. Uh, I think the reason why, you know, I wanted to go where, to our location. I mean, there was nothing there. There was, a, there was a couple of fits and starts of some businesses across the street. You know, you had, uh, 818 bar. I don't know if you guys remember that at all. I don't. I don't think um, I was here when that was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Here, when here that was around. Facebook. I don't yeah. know if I was young or old enough to, yeah. to be down there in that yeah. area. That was a very short lived one. And then it was Tiny Lounge, which was one of, Elliot's, of Tiny Lounge. Yep. Yep. Elliot's places uh, across the street. But they weren't around. You know, nothing was in that area. And, you know, as somebody who has uh, been in the service industry all over Tulsa, um, you know, it's it's weird. There's people expect and act a certain way in different neighborhoods in this town. Mm -hmm. So you've got your Mm -hmm. cherry street vibe, you've got your Brookside vibe. Um, and then you've got your downtown vibe and right off into the side, there was this one thing that I could kind of like, I know it was in a good location and I knew that, you know, if people come to me just traveling to that one spot, um, it's going to get them outside of their box. Mm-hmm. And so I could do what I wanted to do in that place because they're already experiencing something new just by coming to my location. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not that far off. I mean, I lived, yeah. in, I lived in the apartment above for nine years, uh, before, That's cool. before we opened it. And six months later I had to move cause it was too loud and I was too attached to the business. What was yeah. it before you opened it? Um, Oh man. When you were living above it. Oh, uh, when I was living above it, it was Spexton Jewelers. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with them? Yeah. 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 They're great guys. Yeah. Uh, love them to death. Um, it was, it was really fun living above them and just, yeah, it, it was, it was crazy because tiny lounge across the street. There's a lot of shenanigans in that area for a while. Trevor Tack lived up there for I was a little say, bit. I've heard oh, stories cool. between uh, Jared Jordan, yourself, Tack, uh, Chris Winkle, Dodge Christina lived up there. Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was kind of a little microcosm of like service industry mm-hmm. right there in Tulsa. That's really cool. That that little corner of downtown Tulsa is just far enough removed, but also at the same time there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I've I've always pictured in my mind. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that little area always reminds me of somewhere in Europe, a little bit removed. It has a really cool kind of cozy uh, effect on the mind being over at Hodges and Bohemia and Lowood and all of that. Area. Maybe it's I, the lights across the street. I think it's totally. the lights across, yeah. but it's also the brick buildings and the mm-hmm. the curvatures of the building because mm-hmm. it's it's tapered down at the end of Third yeah. Street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it always makes me relaxed when I'm down. That's place. interesting. It's pretty yeah, cool. I like that. Yeah, I've never really thought about that. Yeah, it's good. So this isn't before I like actually ask a, a deeper question. Have you noticed a difference? You're talking about the Cherry Street vibe and the Brookside vibe and the downside, downtown vibe. Does mm-hmm. East Village now have a vibe? Or do you think it's more just an extension of the downtown vibe? Uh, I think it is in some ways an extension, but I also, you know, it's it's an eclectic vibe. Um, you know, we got Bohemian across the street, we got the goat down the street, and now we got Lowood. Um, and so you get, you know, you get a, a handful of different people, you know, you got the people that are, you know, coming in that maybe want to uh, party a little bit more, going to the goat. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got 
like literally it's in the name sort of a more bohemian vibe uh, across the street yep. you know really ra- relaxed they got a great product they they really know what they're doing they make great pizza um yes they do um and then like Pat, like talk about like a legendary bartender in Tulsa running mm-hmm. that place. Like he's been around forever. Um, and then, yeah, I think it, I think it does kind of have its own vibe, but it's because it's an eclectic mix of all the other yeah. areas of town, I guess. I can see that. What do you guys think of this, by the way? Uh, so from the last time we were drinking bourbon with Katie and mm-hmm. this one, this one's like, there's a huge putting difference. off, uh, yeah. Lightning bolts yep. and uh, explosions. So we had Old Tub last time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> tastes a lot like Jim Beam. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's made by Beam. It's, you know, it's this not is, at the level of Booker's. This is kind of what I picture yeah. if I'm strolling yeah, up to a saloon in the 1820s <laughs> and I'm, you know, putting a silver dollar onto the, on, onto the uh, bar and go bartender fill up my, my drink. Right. And I've got That's my spurs on yeah. and my hat and uh, my Stetson and uh, and a six shooter at my side. This is what I think. They just set the full bottle down. Yeah, yeah a they, shot glass. Exactly. And then they go back to polishing their glass. I want bar. that. So yep. can we start doing that at Hodges? Uh, I know. <laughs> 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 Legally, I don't know if you that's You just allowed. charge you for whatever you poured right. yourself. Yeah, I don't think I can do that. Just with a notepad and we just keep notes of how much we've had to drink. No, yeah. this is... This Inventory is, would be totally It would be tough. Yeah. What's your sommelier uh, palette tell you on this? What do you think? Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, you know, there's some nice spice. I'm definitely getting like a cooling on my on my lips mm-hmm. from the alcohol. It's, it's really well distilled product. I think it's fantastic. Good, good, good. I'm sounding a little nerdy here. No, 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 no. We're going to get more exactly into that what, when we start talking yeah. about the wine that cool. you brought and all it's, that. Um, I like um, how berry forward it is. Yeah, a yeah, lot, lot of fruit. I get stone fruit on the yeah. nose mm. a lot, like apricot and peach. peach. Right, we're going to talk more about because I want to <laughs> pick a sommelier's brain whenever we get to the wine. Because okay. there's things that I'm just going to save it for that. Um, one thing I want to know, we both like to travel. You travel to places I wish I've gone. Like I respect that, whether it's Spain or wherever you've mm-hmm. been recently. How much of traveling for you is a creative spark for what you do back here at your own places? Oh, man, good question. Um, it's, uh, it has a lot to do with it. Um, because Torero, I'm assuming, came from your love from that kind of food as well, which sure. I miss to this day. Yeah, me too. Yeah, um, yeah that was unfortunate that um, I, we couldn't get enough people behind that yeah. project. But, you know, you never know if there's going to be a little resurrection of Torero. I hope so. And I hope that's just a little hint that you're dropping. Because <laughs> you got me real excited over here for a second. Um, but, yeah... Uh, a lot of it has to do with travel, but I mean, I mean, I can't travel all the time, right? I'm running businesses. It was yep. a lot easier whenever I was a bartender um, and I could just take off and no responsibilities and go and come back. Now I have people that depend on me. Hmm. Um, but, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, ne- I, was, I got into the service industry because I didn't want an office job and now I created an office job for myself. Right. Uh, <laughs> kind of funny how that works. Um, but... Uh, it's everything you get inspired just even by going to like New Orleans is kind of my travel city. Um, it's such a good food town. Um, I love going there uh, to they dive they dive headlong into their concepts. Um, and so if you go down there and you want Spanish tapas, if you want 
uh, Korean barbecue. Uh, like it's just some of it's really strange, but it all works. Uh, and I think a big part of that is the service culture there. I mean, that's that's mm -hmm. their industry is service. Mm -hmm. uh, and so going there and I mean, I I, I don't think I would be where I am right now if I if I hadn't been inspired by the type of service that you get just going to a dive bar sure. in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, that place, man, tales of the cocktail and all of that is just so great. Yeah. Were we down there at the same time yeah. one time? Yeah, yeah, that's it's right. so much fun. Yeah, I'm a little it's jealous. Insane. I've never been but able I, to. So that's never like been able to go down there. I feel like I'm a leech or just like a an attachment to people <laughs> because like I've never. I mean, I bartended in college and in Norman, but like I've never owned a restaurant, never owned a bar, never been in the service industry since I've lived here. I've just been lucky enough. My conduit to all, basically all of my friends in the city was Josh Royal. Sure. He, I, when I first moved here, I moved to 41st in Peoria. I might've told this story on the podcast before, and it was weeks before he opened our bar. Mm -hmm. And I just went for a walk and walked in. They weren't open yet. We hit it off. And then, so I had to text earlier and ask Jordan to bring in the beer glasses. Oh, because I saw you had totally beer here and, and no glasses. So thank you, Jordan, that for doing sense. that. You can just set them right over here. Um, but yeah, so he was my conduit and through him, I mean, in some way, shape or form, you know, twice removed. I met you, I met, mm -hmm. I've met everyone that I know in the industry. And so it's weird sometimes for me to think about and to talk about, because I feel like I know a lot about the industry, but I've never actually here like been in it. Mm -hmm. So it just feels weird to to have this conversation be like, yeah, I saw you at Tales of the Cocktail. Like, what the fuck are you doing there, John? Yeah, like, yeah. You're not down there to like, <laughs> like, well, I was down there to drink and yeah. to, to hang out with friends. Like, that's what I was doing. But yeah, well, sometimes it, it seems weird. Yeah. It, no, I don't think it seems weird. I mean, I, I love that you love the industry as much as you do. Yeah. Um, we need we need more of you, uh, especially after what is, what's gone down in the last two years. Mm. Um, just, but can we can we dive into COVID? Just yeah, now? sure. Uh, I, I think that's one a scary. Of, scoot up a little bit so we can oh, make sure yeah, you. Sorry, yeah, you're good. Um, uh, I think I think one of the things that I'm sort of battling on my end is you know I I, I love the service aspect of what I do. Um, I I might be an anomaly in that, in which that shows aspect. through in your spaces too. Because um, there's good service thank you at those for spaces. Saying that. Yeah. Um, but I, like I. I want to find a way to, we had physical walls up on our bars, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was masks. It was, it became, uh, you know, the server versus the customer almost, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and mm -hmm. now that those physical walls are down, it's starting to come back a little bit more, but I'm, I'm trying to get uh, people activated again, uh, engaging their bartenders was and their service staff. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we, everybody kind of got used to the way that things were a little bit, um, on mm -hmm. the service side. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I want to bring that hospitality back and that's just like education and training sure. and, and making it fun again. Like I want people to have fun doing what they do again. Um, and not be scared of coming to work, not be scared to come to work or scared to come well, and have a drink. Yeah. That on the too. consumer side. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and also Man, just a, a little point. bit of compassion of, you know, on both ends, like, what is your customer going through? You know, how are they affected by all this? And also, you know, try to get some understanding of your your bartender. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you deal with that on, on your side, too. Absolutely. Um, and it's just, it's been, it's been rough. But, I mean, you, you see it getting better, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. We, I mean, we've seen a resurgence mm -hmm. of people coming back out, people trying to, mm -hmm. you know, 
reconnect with their friends and be around people yeah. more and more. But there's still like this essence. I feel like, you know, I'm uh, thankfully not behind our, our bar anymore um, that often. Um, but it's kind of like this still, I would say like 10% of the brain saying, is this okay? Yeah. And, and we're trying to have fun, but it's almost like, are we supposed to be doing this? <laughs> but we want to, is it okay? I know. How's the public hmm. going to perceive this? Exactly. And that, I think that that's like our hurdle that we're going to have to get through within this next year is it's okay to come out. Mm -hmm. It's okay to connect with your friends in a safe manner and support local businesses like ours and um, be out and about. I think, you know, the interesting thing is, is I think that, is it called uh, agoraphobia? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. like a huge rise right now that is not necessarily expected out of the human race because we are people that naturally for the mm -hmm. last 10,000 years want to be around each other. Yeah. And then this year was a staunch, like, let's put a stop to that. You're not even allowed to go to your neighbors next door. It fucked up my head. Yeah. To be totally it's, honest. It's, like, it's a, I'm a it's social a person weird, and it was weird. Yeah. It's a it weird, weird social yeah. experiment that we're going through. Not that like, you know, obviously COVID's not an experiment, but right. it's well, like, I still don't think I'm back to like 2019. No, yeah, no, no, mentally. No, Cause no. like at Oktoberfest, you're I remember, I remember thinking I, I went corporate night, the one night a year I go. Yeah. And I don't remember who I said it to. It might've been to Josh or might've been to someone else that I was with. I said, well, apparently, uh, Oktoberfest didn't hear about COVID because it was just like <laughs> yeah. all these people. And it was just like 2019, 18, 17, just shoulder to shoulder, dancing, swapping spit and air. And who knows else? You know? and, they, and they were still throwing the pennies. Yeah. I yeah. was still throwing what? the pennies. I like, amazed. And like, I don't know if, I don't know if we'll ever be back to the, like, I think from here forward, mm -hmm. those things will register in a way that it never registered before. Like yeah. seeing that sort of stuff. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, disease I think that's, existed and viruses existed and all of that. But the way it affected us, I think now we'll see things forever. I and, think, per, I like, think oh, people our yeah. age will have that effect for maybe the next decade. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah. Which is wild to think about. It is. It's Let me have one more follow-up on the, the COVID talk. Uh, pick a beer. So from a Psalms palate, do we need to end with wine or can we go beer wine beer I'm a, so? I'm a professional it's however you guys want to do it all right so pick a beer we'll, we'll go uh, i would say that we we'll, need to go beer because we need to cleanse our palate fair. from the whiskey then go to the wine. are you a cicerone no but i really okay. should i've, I've been yeah. encouraged to get through that program right I, th right I think that you know now there's four levels of it Ooh. okay yeah they've they've yeah. added a level from their level one level two yeah and then you would go to level three, which was master, but they've added a third, I think. And for those that don't know, that are listening or watching, the Cicerone is basically a psalm of the beer. Exactly. Or, right. Same. Yeah. Is, is there a Cicerone in town? Um, in Oklahoma? I, there, there's plenty of like level one and level two Cicerones in town. Gotcha. Uh, but we don't have any, I could be speaking incorrectly, but I don't know. Someone's anybody about to get real offended. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know everyone. <laughs> Um, why not? <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> right. It helped business. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think we have any level three or level four in Oklahoma. Gotcha. Uh, I've, I've always wanted to do, uh, 
a Psalm Cicerone throwdown. Oh, that would be so and, that would fun. Be and like have like have like a voting thing where like uh, myself or or another Psalm like pairs wines with the dishes, and yeah. then you also get a beer paired with it, and then the the people there get to vote, and then at the end. You know, it's just that's all a for great show, idea. But I've always wanted to do that. I think yeah, that maybe would be like so much fun. The money you pay for the plates s- go to charity or something. Absolutely, you can figure out yeah, some way I would to love do that. that. Yeah, I try to get my Cicerone in in lieu of that event. Yeah, okay, I, I, I would do that. We'll get it and let's talk. All that right. would be so much fun. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, so pick a beer and start pouring. And I, this question is really for both of you, and it has to do with COVID and what we've seen since then. And it's the uptick in in prices. Oh yeah, for oh, both the food side. For as Eric Marshall talked about, I don't remember if it was the malts or the hops or whatever he was talking about, but yeah, how much the price has spiked there. Have you, have either of you dealt with? Well, let me rephrase that. How have the customers in Tulsa been as far as accepting and being understanding of what you guys are going through and how you have to price things and how those prices may fluctuate and change based on what you're having to pay on the other side? You know, right now, not not getting a whole lot of pushback at all. Okay. Um, and Thanks, for the most part, you know, we've we've absorbed a, a, some of those costs. You know, okay. in, in the hopes of what, I don't remember what the Fed chair was calling it, like a transitional uh, inflation or mm-hmm. whatever the term they're using. Now they backed off of that, and it's just pure inflation. But, um, uh, like. We were observing it for a little bit just to see what happened, and we were mm-hmm. a little bit leery about what people say. But like as we've ebbed prices up a little bit, um, we haven't heard anything. Well, that's good. Um, and I think it's I think it's about like if you're if you're presenting a quality product, nobody's going to get mad about it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think people are a little bit more forgiving right now. Uh, so even if you do mess up, um, which I, I my places would never mess up. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, they're just a little bit more forgiving. Right I've, now. I've, I, to this day, I don't think I've ever messed up yet. So <laughs> I don't think I've ever messed up. You I, guys, I'm a 100%. Have you raised the prices in your tap room? So um, not in the tap room. Okay. Uh, but in distro? In distro, we're going to raise our prices for the first time January 1st, okay. which but is That's where it's scary, scary, right? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. scary. Yeah. Because, you know, we're... We're already a brewery that I mean we're small. We're it's we're not a big operation. Beer doesn't necessarily come up from the ground like people think. Um, I thought it was a beer tree. It, it, I wish <laughs> it's uh, like sap coming out of IPAs. Yeah, right. Uh, but you know, um, it's really scary because we have to do it as a business, and we're already a more expensive you know beer to purchase than even Marshall which is right next door. Mm. And that's just because they've been around for nine years. They have everything set up already and we're having to absorb, you know, setting up a business. We're having to absorb those kinds of costs and buying things at lower levels. And um, so, you know, our our keg prices are probably, goodness, 20% higher than everyone around us. Mm. And that's just because we're younger in age. We don't have the uh, the buying power of uh, of some of the breweries around town, um, and that that's not even counting the breweries outside of state that are regional and bigger and macro, sure. and this that, and the other. So it'll be interesting to see what it what it goes to. You know, even the restaurants uh, responding to our price increase and this yeah. that and the other. So Saturn, it'll be interesting. Is Saturn somewhat? isolated and like insulated from that because there's not a kitchen and it's 
it's yeah. a little more just on the drink side. It's it's more on the drink side. Um, that's been that's been our best business since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rum's cheap, um, and so you know it hasn't. It's gone up a little bit, but it's been yeah, it's been fine. Good. It's insulated. Good. I love that bar, by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Chi has almost been the death of me multiple <laughs> times. It's man, you have two. You don't realize. You don't realize. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing uh, that is, you like, did that, didn't you? That was your recipe. Uh, no, it's you actually to mind fuck us it's, all. It's actually an old Trader Vic's recipe from St. Paul, mm. um, back when there was a Trader Vic's up there. But I, people always end there after they've already been drinking, and oh, it doesn't make sense to me because, like, if I was if I would start there. Yes. Yeah. And then go to my dinner or more drinks or, or whatever. Dinner is key after a chichi. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. But, that food. But people in there and they, half the time they're already half cocked and then. And then they have a chichi. And then it's over. Yeah. And, and then they blame me for it. Is that the best? <laughs> right. I just did. Is that the best selling drink there? Chichi? By far. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It. Yes. Did, I mean, we, we've, we've had, uh, reps like the makers of the spirits reach out and and just be like what is going on? why are what you, are you how are you buying so much product here for the listeners what is in a chichi because it is like wonderful divine it is yeah. magical liquid <laughs> it's a, it's essentially a uh, a vodka pina, pina colada with the addition of uh, macadamia nut liqueur um, oh, and that's why it is okay. so and it, smooth. Yeah, it's really good. Mm. It, it's dessert. I promise I'll let you ask a question and explain dessert. this beer, but oh, I'm no, curious. No, no, you're good. Did American Solera have to pay you royalties when they made the Chi-Chi Boom Boom no. drink? I feel no, like they no. should have because they stole the name <laughs> no. and most of the ingredients. It, it, it's a it's a real thing. Like, it's a real drink. Okay. Just right. nobody knows about it. Um, oh, so that's not your name. That's the actual drink. That's the name. actual name of the drink. Yeah, it's a, I'm over here thinking you should have trademarked it and things, but you can't yeah, do that. Yeah, no. It's, okay. No, yeah. I go. I I, I tend to go classic cocktails. That's awesome. I that's I the New that. Orleans coming that's out. Like, and yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Well, like, why try and reinvent the wheel? Like, I'll I, I will I'll play around and mess around with ingredients and and that kind of stuff. But I mean, there's a reason why these drinks have been ordered for generations. You know, mm-hmm. um, so. And, and I, I, you know, to to your uh, talent and ability to create a drink tastes so great. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it like Ramos Gin Fizz, uh, the two places that I'm ever, ever going to really order those is Hodges and Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Because no, no one really, uh, Nola's does a really good job at a Ramos Nola's Gin. a good job. Uh-huh. You need to go see one of my old bartenders, Scott Graves, who oh, is Scotty. who is down at Boston Title and Abstract. And oh, order Ramos Gin Fizz because he is obsessed with those things. I'm like doing he's it. he's all about it. making those things. I'll do it. He so. is one of but, the most unique people in the city. Yeah, I love Scott. He Graves. really is. I love Scott Graves. But but what are, where I was going with that is like you you know these these drinks are are some something of history and we've as a culture have drank them for a long time yeah but it takes really good talent and someone that really cares about that drink to make it something that an entire city talks about it because if you say a chichi 99 percent of people in tulsa <laughs> or downtown tulsa i would say yeah. think about the saturday you, can't even, you I, can't even take that a, further when when I first went to Saturn and I saw 
what was it? A Mai Tai and a, what was it? It was something that's normally a frozen drink that like you mm-hmm. get on the beach that's just yeah. garbage. A daiquiri. Yeah, right. sure. Yeah. So I saw those on the menu. I was like, this doesn't seem to fit the oh, yeah. aesthetic and vibe of yeah. this. Like, am I going to get a frozen strawberry daiquiri at this place that also has these like classic sure. cocktails? People don't understand that it's an actual, like, yeah. not frozen liquid the cocktail. The evolution yeah. of tiki is is been astounding the last you know five years but like i whenever i i mean hodges opened and then a year later i was opening up a a tiki bar and the looks on people's faces whenever i said hey i want to open up a tiki bar they just nobody had it before Mm. uh in tulsa nobody had it done well and they didn't realize how good those and how balanced they can be because they are used to the all-inclusive resorts right. where they're they're just getting a Miami Vice that's just super cloying and disgusting, sugar um, bound. Yeah, yeah, like it's terrible booze. They're putting more sugar in it, and it's all coming out of a plastic bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then they like they love it there, but they hate it here. And then whenever they actually have the cocktails that are that are made well, um, it kind of blows away. I thought. I thought we were going to close the doors in the first, uh, I think it was like the first six months. People just weren't getting it. They didn't understand it. They, they would come once and then they wouldn't come back. Mm. Um, because they looked at it as kind of an, a novelty a little bit. Um, and then something just clicked and people got it and we were just crazy busy. There's um, something to be said for the awesome. con- going through that storm. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, uh, Probably a lot of people would have closed the doors. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's something about the, I don't know if it's courage or what you want to call it. To I think say like, no, I think, I think people are going to get this. Like, I think it's, yeah. you know, uh, cheers to you for that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Tell us what we're drinking and I'll let you okay, ask a question. So, I've been hogging uh, it. Second, second drink of the day. This is, and you might thank me, this is a low ABV <laughs> beer. This was only 90 proof today. I have uh, Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Usually I'm right on 115 and up. So. It's a good palate opener. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this beer is called Bossus Lager and it is a crystal vice within the tap room and it's tap room only, um, which is a really, really cool, very rare style of beer um, to brew. And it came out of uh, one of my brewers uh, mind and his idea because he loves Hefeweizens, but he loves Pilsners at the same time. And uh, he stumbled, well, he didn't really stumble upon this style, but he heard that it was a style, really fell in love with the idea, and then presented it to me. And um, when he was like, hey, Austin, I, I think I want to uh, brew a Crystal Vice, I was like, yes, let's do it. Uh, because not very many people really want to brew this style of beer. It's going to be really crisp. It's really dry finish. Yeah, yeah. it's going to have everything that uh, Hefeweizen has at the beginning of the drink. All of that banana, mm-hmm. a little bit of a heavier mouthfeel. And then when you swallow it, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. It's crisp. It's dry. Um, and the cool thing about Crystal Vice, which the crystal part of it is come from, comes from it being clear. And in Germany, it's filtered. We just, mm. uh, we find it in, in, in our brewery. And How did you find it? Uh, so fining uh, goes through, so we, it's called BioFine. It's a silicone 
protein gotcha. coagulator. Uh, and we, we, we so it's, real it's vegan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's vegan. It's not like fish bladders or, or something. No, no, like no. That. So yeah, no, it's or not. egg whites. No. Uh, uh-huh. so yeah, you're talking about Isenglass, which okay. is fish bladder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very Irish. And I have still to this day, don't know how humans figured out, Oh, let's put fish bladder <laughs> into that's beer. A, that's a thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, so, so like most still- wine is not vegan. People don't realize that because unless they're using this silicon based fining agent like you have to you have to filter out the the other biological elements in there and how you do that is you fine it with either a fish bladder or egg whites and gets all the other so what does that mean do you put the wine in a fish bladder or do you put the fish bladder in wine you put the fish bladder in wine or so beer either so yeah. it's it's liquefied it, the fish oh, bladder okay. is okay. liquefied it's like I was thinking this pouch and you were pouring things into it or something. No, no, no. What no. So, so what happens? No, no, no. no. What like, happens? This sounds so gross. With, with, the, with the liquid and, and finishing it, it's after fermentation, after you're trying to pull out the yeast, you're trying to put up, pull out the proteins and fibers uh, that are still within suspension that make it a, a beer either hazy or clear. Uh, you put that agent in, such as the fish bladder, or what what it's called as Isenglass, um, is the actual uh, uh, product. Mm-hmm. And what that when you pour it in, or we we push it in through a rocket system, um, and what that's going to do is it's going to go up into the liquid or down into the liquid and react with the protein and pull that protein together to coagulate it uh, and pull it down to the bottom. So, and then that's how that's you get crazy. a clear mm-hmm. product. So, and then- How many things have I drank that have had fish bladder in it? A lot. Uh, 90% of the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone out there, you're drinking uh, fish up, bladder. Up, that's until, <laughs> up until about 2000. <clears throat> we might have hurt your business, Noah. <laughs> up, up until about the 2000s was Biofine actually yeah. introduced. And Biofine is the silicone-based version of Isenglass. Gotcha, gotcha. And then that, and it's not like we're drinking silicone, it comes out. And it's also food grade if any of it is left in. But that forces, it falls down when it's falling down through the the liquid and coming down. It's forcing those particles of protein and yeast product and uh, like hop compounds in beer. It will actually pull those out Mm -hmm. and make the beer either clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, a little science uh, lessons for the day. But I'm really proud of my, uh, so his name's Jonathan Trout. And um, he's, I, I told him, you know, I'll allow you to do this, but you've got to get the yeast right because it's so hard to get crystal vices and hefeweizens right. And he nailed it out of the park. He did his research. Yeah. Really dedicated individual, really hardworking. Yeah, that's fantastic. Very efficient. I, lo- I love crystal vice. That I, I like a really clean beer and mm-hmm. this is perfect yeah i think he knocked it out of the park. yeah yeah so uh so second question for me um which ties back into your story of new orleans and how you kind of embodied even within your body language is what i was seeing is people are drawn to new orleans in places like that not because it's beautiful 
I mean, the, the French Quarter is cool. It's got old buildings and this, that, and the other. It has its own form of beauty, it, right? Right. Yeah. It's got the ocean and this, that, and the yeah. other. You could say the same thing about Tulsa. We've got rivers. We've got hills. We've got trees, nature, sure. this kind of thing. I'm trying to break my mind into how how can we, because we've got a lot of really, really talented people, and this is kind of becoming kind of a – a thorough, uh, a through, through question yeah, yeah. that I've asked, but also at the same time, I'm phrasing it differently. Um, how do we break into, in your own words, break into people's minds about Tulsa and even Tulsans thinking about where we are and as our community, as a food-based service industry, liquid providers within this world and that people coming from the outside, I think they're learning that we have a lot of really cool talent happening within our, our space. And, but how, how do you think that we're going to get that accomplished and like kind of broadcasted? Broadcast, it might be the wrong word. No, but no, I, I think yeah. that's a solid word. Define. Way, way to dis- define it. Uh, so how do we get are you trying to just say uh, how do we promote um what we have to tulsans and to outside of tulsa well how yeah how do you think that that's going to become a through line for tulsa because i think that that's where we're headed Mm -hmm. um as a town um but what do you think is the defining moment when people go ah it's kind of like with Saturn Room where it clicked. Sure. I don't know if you could even define that moment. It was just like people didn't come back and then all of a sudden you were busy. Yeah, they got it. What's what's that? I mean, I'm sure you've traveled to places because that's the reputation they have. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So how does that how does Tulsa then become that? Oh man. Um like what's I don't know if anything's missing, if it's a time thing, if it's a I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think, I mean, aren't we already kind of that in certain circles? I mean, I, whenever I travel, I, uh, I'll go to bars and, and, and restaurants and, and wineries and, mm-hmm. and especially like, I don't, I don't know if people realize this, but like, there's a huge wine culture and there is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they travel um, and they spend money. So like if, if you go to places like Napa and Sonoma, you, you went to Sonoma, you, you I'm in Flanagan's uh, wine uh, club. Yeah. You yeah, know, Founders club. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. You go out there and you talk to these wineries in Sonoma. Um, and they're like, Oh, you're from Tulsa. We love Tulsa. Like they, they understand that, that there is a huge food and beverage scene here. Mm. Um, you know, I was, uh, up in Kansas city recently and like, these bartenders were talking about um, our places down here and how they wanted to come down just to hang out at our our bars, our restaurants, our breweries. Um, so I I do think that you know I, I guess in certain circles the food and beverage scene I think we already have that reputation that's, within that's, that industry. Yeah, yeah, within the industry, that's my perception is that is that we do um, we're known. I mean, like. Um, that's super encouraging. Saturn Room is in has, is mentioned in cocktail books, um, and and so like I I do think it's there. 
Um, and that's part of it, right? Talk to your bartender, talk to your server, um, see what they like, see where they've been, see where they want to go. Um, as, as just like a general consumer mm -hmm. of things, exactly what you are and why I was saying that we needed more of you is the people that are interested in the people that are actually doing things. Right. Mm -hmm. um, like, cause they are the tastemakers, right? If, if I want to, if I want to know something about a beer, I'm going to come to you. Um, you know, if I want to know something about food or how to cook something, I'm going to talk to my chef. Mm -hmm. um, those are just, that's kind of how it is. I think people need to, to change their mind. I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw any, certain city under the bus. Um, but as a city that I had a lot to do with that I used to own a business in, uh, and everybody there was a know-it-all every customer mm. coming in, like mm. didn't have the time to like converse with the bartender or the server. Um, and it was, it was a little frustrating to me because like, I, I mean, I'm not going to defend myself in court. I'm going to go get a lawyer, right? right? If I, if I want, if I want something to drink, I'm going to go talk to a sommelier or a bartender and, and, and ask them what they like and, and what they want. So I think that's part of it. That's my favorite way to order and to approach going out to, to eat and to drink and whatever. And I've heard that it's like, and obviously if a bartender's busy, I try not to do that because I've heard it's really annoying when someone's like, Hey man, what do you want? And you're like, you tell me, boss, like what, what's, what's good tonight, you know? But I also, I, I do that when it's slow and I can have a conversation and I'm like, no, I, w I really want to know, like, yeah, where are you at? Like, what's your passion? What are you, what are you seeing? What are you making? What are you creating that I'm not going to get the same thing somewhere else because it has your fingerprints on it. Right. right. But I think there's a time and place for that. Answer, yeah, totally. Right. No, so not a, not on a Friday night when right, the bar's right, five right, deep. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but if you are going to do that, just be like, hey, I like these things. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Make me something. I don't care. I'll I do that a anything. lot at Hodges. Yeah. I'm like, hey, bourbon-based cocktail, go. Yeah. Like, just run. Totally. Yeah. I think in the, the beer industry, what I've learned is uh, when I go to a new brewery or whatnot and I walk up to the bar, I just go, I love beer what are you excited about this mm -hmm. brewery and what totally. are you drinking right now and then they'll have an honest answer right then and that's when i'm like that's what i want well if you go yeah. to a place where somebody is annoyed or doesn't want to answer the question leave the place because that's their job and they're obviously not good at it right. you know what i mean <laughs> but at the same time i do have a soft that's spot fair. for if it's friday night at 10 30 totally and it's busy. hundred percent. Like, just fucking pick a drink, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, I, just, and I get that. What, what do you want? Like, uh, well, yeah. I mean, if you come up to a bar and you ask that question at five at 1030 on a Friday, you're just a dumbass. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Exactly. No, you're, you're hundred percent right. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm smart enough to not do that. But like, I think also there's a hesitancy to answer it and you can answer this from a bartender side. Mm -hmm. And I'm honest when I say this, I like all drinks. Sure. Like beer, it's not the same. Uh, there's beers I know that I'm not like you've changed my mind a little bit, but normally I'm not a huge Belgian fan. Sure. Yeah. There are styles like Chimay does a couple that I like, but you've opened your single and your double that you've brought like have been really good. So I'm, I might be amending that in my head, but yeah, normally like I don't like a ton of sours. It's a really seasonal beer for me. Sure. Like, it almost has to be on a boat or just a yeah. hot day and I can have a sour or two, but then it gives me heartburn because I'm an old man and just, it's just not, you know, there's things, no. but with cocktails, I'm literally an open book. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's not a liquor I don't 
like or won't drink, mezcal, tequila, gin, vodka, whiskey, I mean, you name it, like I'll, I'll try it. But I, I think there's a hesitancy from the bartender side. They don't want to make me a drink that they feel like, or anyone, a drink that they feel like they won't like. Yeah. And so they almost want you or force you to be like, no, just tell me like what you want. And so it's a weird dance because I'm like, no. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. That's a good yeah. description. It is a dance. Like if I'm ever met with that, I, I ask a few questions for first. Yep. And if the response still is like, I'll, I drink everything, then I'll just be like, Okay, well, I'm gonna make some weird shit and but put it in front of your face. But even as we talk about it, I hear how, how weird and accept, frustrating yeah. that can be for a bartender. Like you hear it and you feel it, right? Because if right. you're behind the bar, you're, like, uh-huh. you're giving me no direction, and I have 300 bottles of liquor behind me. Well, like what? Yeah, what am I doing? Right. right? Then I like then you just go to your go tos, yeah. right? Yeah, um, and just throw that out at somebody. I mean, it's. Yeah, I, it, I Basically, let's I give the listeners and watchers, viewers, etiquette on how to order. Uh, uh, know what you like and be able to ready and ready to respond. If you do like everything, tell them what you're in the mood for. There it is. Mm. Uh, That's the key. And yep. uh, ca- learn the lingo a little bit, right? Um, learn how to describe what you like and what you want. I'm sure there's certain terms that that people say when they come in and they start describing beer and what they like, and you're like, oh, that is. That's not what you're. Oh sure. That's not what you're talking about. Yeah, the um, word has nothing to do with right. Beer, but, but you're not going to tell them that. You're just gonna. You're just gonna be like, okay, well, here, like, take this. You know right. what I mean? And you're you're gonna give them it because you want their money, right? They're they're willingly exactly. giving you money. But right, uh-huh. we are in this business to accept money. Yes. Although we do love creating stuff. Exactly. <laughs> have, you ever had to, have you ever had to throw someone out of your brewery? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had to throw someone out of Hodges? Uh Uh-huh. Personally? Uh Uh-huh. Can I get a story from either one of you? Oh, man. (laughs) Okay. Let's drink a little more. This this isn't going to be offensive to anyone. Um, Yeah, no names, but just... uh, Right. Uh, (laughs) It was... uh, Oh, man. Okay, okay. Uh, A guy at uh, this last Oktoberfest that we threw... um, I've been hanging around all day. Uh, we knew that he had never ordered something from the bar. I know and, what guy you're talking about now. Uh, and from your anniversary party. Oh, it, it was our it was our anniversary. Oh, party. But sorry, I know I, what guy I, you're talking I, about. Yeah, there might have been someone at Oktoberfest that the, happened the same way. So yeah, anniversary party. Only drinking water from the bar. This, that, and the other. Subsequently, keeps getting more and more drunk. We do not know how this is happening. We've not served him a single thing. We're kind of mad about it because we're like, hey, this is our party. At least buy something. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, he crosses the line and he's dancing and making a scene. And I'm just like, hey, you want to buy something or get out? Yeah. Was it the guy that almost took a picture with me? I didn't see that happen, so but I don't know. You see the guy walking around taking pictures with everyone? Um, or am I thinking about no, a different no, no, person? No. Okay. Different person. Okay, okay. Yeah, different person. <laughs> yeah. I know that guy. Okay. okay. <laughs> What's the funniest one you have? Oh, man. Uh, it doesn't have to be from Hodges. But he was back in the bartending the, days. the guy that I'm talking about was there for six hours at the party. That's insane. Before I had to throw him out. He had a flask somewhere or a camel back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or he'd taken something and it was just hitting him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was rolling into it. 
Man, uh, there was, so this is back White Owl days. Um, and I was bartending with uh, Royal one night. Anyway, there was this guy at the bar and he had been drinking shots of absinthe all night. Um, like he would have a beer and then he would have a shot of absinthe. That's anyway, a dangerous path. Yeah. He's sitting there by himself, right? And he's there for happy hour. He's there for a while. And then he gets up and he leaves to go eat. Uh, he comes back, sits down, has a couple more shots of absinthe, and then leaves. Well, uh, he left his coat there, but we were so busy that like we didn't even realize it. Um, it was one of those nights that was just really packed. And yeah. there was just an empty seat with a coat on there. Well, it's the end of the night. We shut down the bar. Uh, we're cleaning. The servers are doing their thing. Josh and I are sweeping up the back bar. I think I'm sweeping around uh, the corner, uh, around the bar on the other side. And I pick up the jacket. And I I said, oh, somebody left their jacket here. And I hand it across the bar to Royal. And he kind of like grabs it, like grab a hamburger or something. Um, and when he does it, He's like, I can see his face, like his eyes light up. He's like, what, what the hell? I was like, what, what's going on? It's at that exact moment. There's this banging on the window of our front door, just like banging. This guy's crazy. So our door guy goes over there to figure out what's going on, trying to kick him out. Our door guy just was not a great door guy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, so long story short, there was a gun. Oh, in this leather jacket. And it wasn't like at a bar. Yes. Oh, dear. There was a gun in this leather jacket and it wasn't like in the pocket. It was like in a secret pocket. Um, And so I immediately whenever Josh said there's a gun in here, I immediately like go to the door and I'm like, dude, you got to get him out of here right now. Like somebody left a gun in here. We're contacting the police right now. So anyway, go outside with the door guy. Door guy's not doing anything. Right. <laughs> He's just standing there. This, job, this drunk guy is, is wobbling back and forth trying to fight this guy. Uh, and so I just I kind of go out there and I get in the middle of the door guy and him. And I'm like, dude, you got to get out of here. You got to go call a friend or I'm going to call the cops. We've already got the cops coming right now because we found what was in your jacket. And like he's so like drunk mm. and incoherent. And and so oh, I just no. kind of like I'm holding him like this. Then he tries to like grapple me. And I just kind of like body slam him to the ground and like keep him there. And when I and when I did, I got up. He takes his hands and goes (laughs) and and air shoots me. But like, is that not crazy? Could you imagine if he would have had his jacket? If he would have had his jacket, like he would have literally got out his gun and shot somebody or me because. He was that drunk and being stupid and wanted to get back into the bar. Well, Whoa. long story short, Royal calls his buddy that's a cop. And then like the next day, like they took the guy to jail, to the drunk tank, right? The next day, Royal gets a text or a call from his, from his buddy. The guy was a cop. What? <gasps> oh, wow. He left his piece no. in our bar. He was air shooting you and he was and a And he cop. was air shooting like... That is like insane. No. Like I will, I will never That's forget how scary no. that is. Great that was story. A great story. Yeah. That, was <laughs> that was wild. Oh, oh my word. Uh, before I ask my next one, do we want to go beer or wine? What are we thinking? 
Let, let's finish beer. Uh, finish let, beer? Let, let, no, no, no. Let, let's go beer because I want to finish there. Okay. okay. To the dome. So I'll let you open that as I ask my next one. Yeah. So you, Noah, you mentioned owning a, an establishment in another city, which we don't have to name the city. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what, I was going to say something, but I won't. What, uh, what can you share with our listeners, viewers, us, that you learned the most about the challenges or whatever you want to call it, of opening an oh, establishment that is a good question. in a city in which you do not reside. Um, okay. Do your research. Um, not saying that we didn't, but we should have dug a little deeper. Um, probably should have spent a little bit more time there before we made the decision. Whose class was who? You know, was that, me? Uh, that was you. Yeah. You know, just kind of like kind of living in it, getting a feel for the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, also, don't stray too far from home. You went a long ways from home. Went a long ways from about home. About 10-ish hours from about, home. About 10-ish, 11 hours. Yep. Nine hours if you do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was difficult. It's it's hard to um, keep a handle on, on things when you're that far away. Luckily, I moved up some really solid people, you know. Um, and... If anything, that's one of my biggest regrets. Is that you is, let them go do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, in my opinion, some of the best uh, bartenders and service industry people in this town, I moved away. Uh, yeah. And and now I don't know if they'll ever come I can't back. even argue with that. Yeah, you, <laughs> I know. They 100% did. So, yeah. mistake. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those would, be, those would be my two. So then what surprised you? The, was it... Was it the location that you picked wasn't what you thought it was going to be or was it the location wasn't what we thought it was going to be? You know, um, the labor laws changed a lot um, during construction um, up there. You know, they did away with tip credit um, and which, I, you know, I'm I am all for um, servers making more money like I there there needed to be a shift in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. what is tip credit? What do you mean by that? So the way that, um, our industry works is at least in Oklahoma is there's a minimum wage for workers and then there's a tip credit wage. Um, and oh, so if you. you receive okay. tips, yep, yep, yep. it's like two twenty to whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that tip makes up for gotcha. the rest of their pay. Gotcha. That's I don't think people realize that's how the food and beverage industry survives. That's why they can go into a restaurant and buy a cheap burger and have a cheap glass of beer or wine. Yep. Right. Because that, that cost is astronomical. Mm. Right. And if Mm -hmm. you take that away and it's in like, I, I think it's a good thing, but like everybody has to do it at the same time. Right. And it's got to be reflective. Like people have to understand what's happening. Um, it's it's got to it's it's got to filter that knowledge has to filter through to everybody. Mm. So like if we did do um, a minimum wage increase on a on a federal level and we did away with the tip credit, that would be an ideal way of doing it because it's it's if you if you break it down to percentages, it's. It's just a little bit of a price increase in order to make up that labor cost. But if if this person over here has a $10 burger, but I pay more, 
then I'm going to have a more expensive burger. They could be the exact same product and made the same way, but because I'm making, uh, because I'm paying more, I have to, I, I have to charge more mm. and that doesn't equate to the average customer's mind. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I'm saying it, it would be something that needs to happen on a, on a mass scale for sure for that to be. So Minnesota changed their laws as you were. Uh, where where was it again? I, I could I couldn't remember what what where it was Wisconsin, it? Minnesota. <laughs> Somewhere you said north. <laughs> Fuck John. Uh, no, that's I okay. Said Minnesota. Uh, cats yeah, out of the back. Okay. Uh, what was interesting about that is yeah. is the labor laws changed. My bad. I wouldn't uh, even no, think no, no. I did say it. Yeah. Uh, they they changed uh, side to side, right? Yeah. So so Minneapolis changed first, and then St. Paul changed, and it was incremental step ups. And so it was this, just this weird exodus that you would see like every six months to a year when the prices would go up on one city and then just climb up. Like you'd have this exodus of people um, going to the other city to get service industry jobs and then they would go to the next city to get the service industry jobs. So it was oh, like you That's talk about, seesaw. yeah, you talk about a transient uh, labor industry and that was, it was, that was difficult. Mm. So talk about a culture that loves to drink beer though. Absolutely. Whoa. It gets cold. What else are you going to do? Okay. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just was. I love it up there. Uh, yeah. I absolutely love it up there. I just love yeah. the fact that I happen to have family in mm-hmm. Prior Lake, which is just like 25 minutes south of Minneapolis. And so, I mean, it was right around the time you opened. You hadn't been open for long. No. Um, I was up there for the Super Bowl uh, when they had the Super Bowl in, in Minneapolis. It was the Eagles. It was the Philly special game, the Eagles and the Patriots. Oh, nice. And so I went with my dad and my aunt and uncle were in town. And it was it was fun. Oh. But we went to, it was like one of your first yeah, that couple was fun. weekends open. Yeah. Yeah. I have a picture with, with Noah up in Minnesota. Yeah. You know, it was, like, nice. it, was, it was cool. Yeah. So it was, you know. Sad to see that not work out, but I, I get it. I mean, it's so far away. Well, I mean, and unless and you then, know like McDonald's and whatever, like how to franchise and like it's yeah. a well-oiled machine yeah. and, you know, it just and, gets hard. And yeah. so many places are closing up there. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, like. I have heard that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been difficult for a lot of, you know, really, really good places have closed up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've never been to minneapolis or st paul it like talk about a crazy good food scene that's that's under the radar so underrated mm. um yeah. i mean it is it's insane you know so good mm-hmm. love it i need to get up there yeah mm-hmm. i've only ever been to ely which is on the border yeah i did have the worst experience with a sandwich i've ever had in my life <laughs> did in, it back? in minneapolis <laughs> Oh, I, still, I don't remember. I actually don't remember the name of the restaurant, so I can't throw the restaurant under the bus. But I, I'm one of those where if I see something on the menu and I haven't, I try not to get the same thing. Yeah, unless I'm just craving it. Like if I go to a restaurant, I'm going to try something I haven't had before. Sure, you know whatever. You don't know if you love something unless you try it. They had a shaved cow tongue Reuben on the menu. Sounds cool. It did. Sound cool. Was it super chewy? I got the <laughs> shaving of the tongue that was the top and had multiple taste buds. So you had taste buds on and it. taste buds. Yeah. And so I took a... You were making out with a sandwich. Yes. I took a bite of it and it's this... I can never describe the texture properly of what it felt like in my mouth. But then I like opened the sandwich and it was just like the top layer of a tongue. 
I was just like, ouch. I can't. Yeah, I can't. It just ruined it for me. Like, I, can't. <laughs> I can't go any further with this one. Like, if it had been like their bottom layers, it was great. But like, oh, man. <laughs> it was a you lot. Know, what are we drinking? And ask a yeah, last question. So uh, I'll introduce this beer. Uh, this is Dryad Dreams, which, you know, I secretly so think unique. that this is one of my wife's best labels. And it's taproom only. Um it came out so, so cool. So this is a golden ale. This is actually liquid that I made for our third anniversary. So if you remember back, we had a blueberry and raspberry golden ale that we released for our third mm-hmm. anniversary. Well, this is the same liquid, except we put it into a tequila barrel and we aged. That's it. what I'm getting. Yeah. Okay. So this aged in a tequila barrel for about six months, and then we put it into bottles, and uh, and subsequently with beer, you don't necessarily get to tell the story that it wants to tell uh, or force it. Uh, it didn't carbonate until I want to say two months ago. Mm-hmm. So it was in the bottle for almost 11 months before it carbonated. Why was it a temperature thing or what? I have no clue. We tortured this beer. We set it in the <laughs> warehouse. We got it so hot that it was 110 degrees huh. and it still didn't uh, carbonate. And then finally, I don't know if like the time was the right. The time was right. <laughs> Can't we're we're ready, off, man. Yeah. Here we are. We're ready. <laughs> and we kept, we kept opening up the bottles because we were like, well, we don't want to throw the liquid away. It tastes great. Uh, and then that tequila barrel does so much to that flavor. It's so cool. Yeah, it's, good. it's very fruity, yet a little mm-hmm. bit tart, and uh, uh, definitely you can taste a little bit of agave in there as well. Yeah. Uh, it feels more alcoholic than it is. What's it's the, just if I was to guess the ABV, I would say like ten or eleven. Yeah, totally. That's what why is it? I just it's seven. Yeah, yeah. That's why I just yeah. looked at it. It's seven percent. So. Uh, but yeah, uh, which was really cool uh, and very surprising. I thought that I was going to, I actually took these bottles to the dumpster at one point. No. And then I was like, mm, too soon. Drove the thing right back into the warehouse and put it back into its spot. And thankfully I did because it turned out really, really good. But it's, it's also really not heavily carbonated. No, it, it's just carbonated enough. I, I think honestly. Like it almost has a flat mouthfeel. Almost, but if if I think if it had more carbonation to it, it would be too uh, too sharp. I agree. No, I think it's perfect, but it, yeah. it's perfect in that it's almost like a flat mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. kind of salty, like in a good way. Yeah, uh, I don't know where that comes from. I think that it's from the barrel itself mm-hmm. somehow. So. But yeah, I was excited to bring this. We released this. Thanks for bringing that one. Yeah, that's uh, that is very cool. So yeah, and man, that label. Yeah, it's a yeah, cool that's one. beautiful. That's super cool. Your third uh, and final question. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so just to get to know you and and get to uh, really just ask from sheer rawness of not being a a friend and first getting to know you i want to know um what 
what drew you into this industry and not necessarily, I'm not asking your story. I'm asking like, why is this your passion and what things put were put into place within your life so that this was something that was important to you and why you wanted to put this into Tulsa? That's a big question. Yeah. I bring whales sometimes. Every once in a while you do. That was one of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. Man, I don't, I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. You know, one of the things that I've always cared about is is uh, community, for sure. Um, and just like, you know, reading books about like the history of beverages. Um, you know, there's a really cool cool book called Around the World in Five Beverages um, that kind of talks about mm. the history of, uh, you know, it, it starts with, you know, beer, it goes to tea, even ends on like water and wine and coffee and everything. Coca-Cola, in there. I think. Coca-Cola. So yeah. Have you yeah. read it? You know what I'm talking I about? I have read it. Yeah, yeah. It's a I really interesting. That. It's that a really like something interesting I yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, number one beverage drunk in the world. You know? Well, it has to be Coca-Cola. Nope. No? Tea? Tea. Yeah. Yeah. Tea. And uh, just like how those, how that affected, you know, the history of the world, politics, uh, nations, you know, that wars, the Boston yeah, Tea Party, exactly. Yeah. That that uh, that affected me a lot, and I, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted, I wanted to do that here. Um, you know, I obviously opened up a business doing what I love because I wanted to make money. That's what everybody does, right? Sure. But I also just wanted to build an institution. Right. Mm. I wanted to build a thing that would that would um, that would live on in perpetuity. Right. Mm. Like I I could die. In fact, I always joke. Uh, Chip and I both joke that um, whenever we die, we're going to have a wake. I'm going to be on the on the bar top. Uh, and, <laughs> and then <laughs> I'll a get, horrible <laughs> mental picture. I'll, I'll get cremated and be on an urn in the back and I have to go with the bar, whatever sale that is. There you um, go. Because everybody walks in and says, Where's Noah? Um, no, he's behind the bar. He's right here. Uh, so, like, yeah, I mean, that that was a big thing for me. Um, you know, what drew me into the industry was just, like, the, the love of this, the love of what we're doing right now, right? The camaraderie, you know, the social lubrication. Um, it's, it's amazing being behind a bar mm. in, in – witnessing the sort of like microcosm of, of life's happening in front of you. You know, you've got people getting engaged to each other, people breaking up, you know, uh, they come in for happy hour. Mm. There's they're closing on their house. Like there's, you see the good and bad in everything. Um, you have a regular that comes in every day, like clockwork. And then one day they're not there. And then some, one of their friends shows up, you know, where's Dave? And like, Oh, he died. You he didn't hear blah, blah, blah. Like mm -hmm. those are that, that sort of mm. thing that happens, you know, I hate to liken it to cheers, but like, I mean, those are, yeah. that is, that's one yeah. of the biggest things that drew me into this. Um, and then just like, you know, with wine, just tasting industry, you know, everybody knows me as a cocktail guy. Um, but like wine is, to me, like the most sophisticated beverage um, in no offense to you or no, to your bourbon or anything like no, that. I, but like, it's just like that wine can draw you in 
more than to me any other uh, anything any other beverage. I mean, it, <laughs> I've got a buddy that that makes fun of me all the time because I'm like uh, I'm like cocktails and spirits sort of happen to you and and beer is is fantastic and, and can be just like this exalting thing as well but but then you kind of have to have a little bit of context when it comes to wine um or a lot of context a lot of context on the wine but yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's everything right like the more you know about the thing that you're into the more enjoyable it is and I don't care yeah. if it's art or sports or or beer or bourbon like if you have the context of of the processes and how it's made and and what pairs with it right. um it it completely changes it and you know having moments you know that they talk about the aha moment right where you have a pairing with food and wine that just completely just changes everything and mm -hmm. you you would not get that flavor out of either one of those products if it wasn't for the fact that they were together like I'm constantly chasing that, right? It's no. it's like heroin, I guess, for me, uh, because like I want that high of just like having that moment of tasting those two things together and being something completely different and making mm. both of them better than they could ever be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. No, I was transfixed by that answer. Uh, I yeah. Like, uh, yes. I thought it was a little rambly, that. but no, it's okay. Good. And I love that. And and. And to to speak to your start to open that as he's talking gotcha. to you, speaking to speak, of wine speak yeah. to that answer i don't think that you're necessarily wrong i think that um you know wine has a you've got to kind of break out of your shell and get into the mood of wine i feel like it's a more cerebral it is a more cerebral drink yeah. and that you know i people when they say that to me when they're in the wine industry or a sommelier or they almost apologize for that to me because they know that i'm in the beer industry i love that noise and <laughs> and i and i'm always like well th that doesn't offend me at all because every single beverage has its moment you know mm -hmm. uh you have whiskey for really serious talks you have wine for dinner and celebration uh, you've got beer for your lunch and your working hours, and be, and because that's that's really what Thanks, beer is. It's it's um, it's community based and uh, around food a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wine also at the same time, but it's also like something you know. Very rarely, I would say you know, less than two percent of beer is. Oh, well, Dryad Dreams was aged in tequila barrels for six months <laughs> yeah. over um, the petals of the uh, uh, Dryad within the forest. <laughs> you get my picture. Yeah. You get that with wine because it, wine tells more of a story because it has terroir to it and it, it comes from a sp specific region where, you know, our beer, which definitely has a story to it. But my malt comes from Idaho. It comes from Europe. And that's its own story in and of itself. But it's a, a construct of an artist at the brewery bringing those things to life. Where grapes and wine labels are coming from a specific place. Totally. 
And, and that's kind of the romance of why wine, I think, captivates people's brains in that way. Because wine tells one story and one story alone. You can't change it. Beer, you can take the same barley mm-hmm. and turn it into 90 different beers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was I, a, think that that, yeah. I think that that's why wine has, you know, this elevated... Ideology of how people define of what it is, and that so, was a professional transition to tell us the story of this wine because there's okay, a sure. unique story behind this. Yeah, so uh, this is uh, Tierra Biondi. Um, it's the 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 wine is uh, Sestina Fiore, um, and. Just real quick before before we go into this, and, and I and, and cheer, I start and, cheers, and I start doing this. Uh, <laughs> a number for you is is that like what you were saying about you know presenting the wine and that kind of stuff. To me, that only makes sense if if the people want that context, right? Right. Um, there's there's so much in my side of the industry that has become so stodgy and stuffy and off putting, right? Um, and this is so good on mm. its own it's viscerally good to where you right. don't you don't need all that context to enjoy it but if somebody wants that's that's just not the way that i i i present wine if i'm ever working the floor sure. at lowood i'm just like they they ask me what what i would recommend i ask them what they want and then i bring them a bottle of wine and then i kind of gauge if they want that context and then we can start nerding out on it but i'm not I'm not going to do not like, with that. I'm not the yeah. ting, 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 like everybody, <laughs> excuse, me, excuse me, everybody shut up and listen to me talk <laughs> about this wine right now. And I apologize if, if I wasn't saying that that's no, I know exactly yeah. how every single bottle of wine is supposed to be drank because that's really not sure. 90% of wine Such isn't a good glass, though. Yeah. drank that way. Okay. So anyway, Cisterna Fiore, so this wine, it, the grape is Norella Mascalese, um, it comes from Mount Etna um, in Sicily. Uh, volcanic soils. Um, it's natural winemaking process. Um, it's just it, it. This to me is one of those wines that, when you smell it, like it really is like, it kind of takes you to a place, mm-hmm. even if you've never been there. And you know that even though I was just dogging this, like you know that it comes from volcanic soils in a mountain. It's it's got that. It's got that alpine. It's got that. You can almost mm-hmm. picture the volcanic soils that you're smelling. Um, the Morello Mascalese is, is one of those little darling grapes in my world that I live in. Um, kind of Pinot Noir-ish, a little bit of Gamay, uh, just, but they, they can have a lot of power. Um, I think this drinks like a really good Burgundy. Yeah. Um, and in mm-hmm. fact, I think one of the cooler stories about this wine um, is the guy that makes uh, Domain Romani Conti. I'm not expecting that anybody knows what this is, but I've done research on this after <laughs> I drank it. Have you? Yeah, okay, I so, did. so yeah. Domain Romani Conti is like the one of the most expensive Burgundies that you, that that you can buy. Well, the owner of that of that wine who makes that wine um, is is so obsessed with this wine that he trades him bottle for bottle. So we're talking about uh, his wine sells for off like straight out of the vineyard, you know, three to five thousand dollars depending on the production level. And this one retails for thirty five, forty bucks. Like, 
bottle for bottle, he'll trade them outright. Um, so I think that speaks a lot to the quality um, of this wine. Um, and it just backs up yeah. an opinion that I have about it. Right. Um, but yeah. And for those that are, you know, scholars and, and books, that mountain that you referenced, it's the mountain that Cyclops was supposedly living in a cave, right? Yeah. Yeah. From, uh, well, it's from like um, Homer's Odyssey. Right. Right. So what they would do, so back when the Carthaginians would bring, like they were warring with each other, the Carthaginians would bring uh, their war elephants over that they rode. And what happened is, th this is the lore of what it is, right? So they would bring their, their elephants over. Well, the elephants got left there. They died. And when, when they would find their skulls in the caves, there would just be this big hole where the trunk of the mouth was. So mm. they thought it was mm. just this big, massive race of humans with one eye that lived on <laughs> that mountain. That. Oh, oh, that makes oh, oh. And it was actually elephant skulls. Yeah. That's wow. And so that's, that's, cool. that's, that's, cool. that's, that's like cool. the theory yeah. of it. So that's awesome. No. Cool. Yeah. This is a, so I'll, before I ask my last question and we let you get out of here, cause we've held you for a while. Um, what I was saying about like Psalms and Cicerones and I like, I drink a lot of alcohol, right? Like I, I so smell I, a lot of wine. I drink a lot of wine. I smell a lot of beer and drink a lot of beer and do the same for bourbon. Nine times out of 10, even still this day for me, I just must have not, I must not have a sophisticated palate because wine tastes like wine. Like I can't for the life of me, like you're able to pull out notes in your nose and on your palate mm -hmm. that I don't know if I just don't recognize what that is on my palate. Like I can tell the difference between kinds of wine. Sure. But if to say like, Oh, this one's more stone fruit and more this and that, I'm like, no, it's, it just smells fruitier. It's like I don't smell stone fruit. Right. Like sure. And so it just, it, blows my mind that there's people like both of you in this world that can <laughs> pick out such nuanced things. And so it's a tip of the cap in a way. And it's also how the fuck do you do that question? Yeah. Like, I, I, it's, man, it's incredible. So Go I'm going to answer, I'm gonna yeah. answer the yeah. first part of that question sure. for, for listeners, because I've, uh, I love telling people, people naturally have a good palate. Mm. People naturally have a good nose. It's not that you can't taste that or can't smell it. It's that you've got to stop. And I know that you do this mm -hmm. because you're a foodie. Sure. You love beer. You love wine. You love Absolutely. bourbon and everything else. And mine might be more sophisticated than others. But of it's course. not to your level. It's not to your level. You know. Sure. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that that's just because, you know, Noah and I are doing it. Every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's probably uh, training in a way too. Yeah. Right. Well, like, and that's, that goes to it. Yeah. And that's every single time that I have like a beer dinner with people, I encourage them to, when they go out to, to eat, you know, going out to eat used to be only for celebrations. It used to only be for certain occasions and this, that, and the other. Now we do it more often, which is cool because people can actually articulate what's going on in food now a little bit more appropriately mm -hmm. and build a memory for what is exactly. going on with, within the liquid. And it's really just about calling out what you taste within this wine, because uh, there is no, 
there's not necessarily any incorrect answer. True. No, True. it's all it's all subjective. It's it's very cerebral, all about memory, and so but make no a one, note of no that answer because I'm going to ask you something. Okay. No and I could have two different answers of what we taste within this wine, mm-hmm. and we both have let's say I call it mineral and he calls it pepper. Sure. Good, yep. uh, you know, two two very similar things, but we've drank wine enough together. Let's say ten bottles later, we can say, you know, when I call it mineral, he can say I can expect pepper. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there's Makes there's sense. themes. Yeah. That's the subjective part, right? There. Right, and right. that's the subjective part. Yeah. So the, the, the so the, I encourage everyone. Yeah. When you're drinking, find a drinking buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it's find fun. a song. It, it's fun to call what you're tasting, and then find the the equilibrium within everybody in your circle, mm. because you're not wrong. Nobody, right. yeah, yeah. But the reason I, I noted what you said about it's all subjective and that you're not wrong is that when you're taking the test to become a psalm, you can be wrong. Sure, but that's because you made the wrong call. Like, okay, so it's not and, tasting and, notes versus. But like, but also like so if you are taking those tests, right? I mean, they've got in a sense, it's just a more systemized way of what he's talking about, mm-hmm. right? They're they're teaching you and telling you that you know, in a sense, this is what this flavor is, and there is some science backing it up, right? They're like there's rotundin and pyrazine, and like everybody tastes green pepper when they taste mm. pyrazine. It could be jalapeno, right. it could be bell pepper, but like that's what it is. So there's some science backing that up, sure. Um, but again, it, like as far as like their teaching way, the, the way that they systemize it is, it's easy to pull those things out because they tell you you're going to taste this. You know what I mean? Mm. You're going to do this. Um, yeah, so I get that. I, I yeah. mean, it's yeah. that that's that's kind of it just it, so it, it, it so is subjective, but there is science right, that backs right, up right, that right. objectively you're going to taste this if you have if you're able to perceive those flavors, right? I mean, some people just don't really taste well, um, yeah. and, and that's and they that's won't, true. and yeah. they they have less taste buds. Some people have more taste buds. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, that's true. The, the the whole like tongue mapping thing. Um, is not a, it, that's not a real thing. Um, that was, that's like bunk science. Like there is definitely things that you taste on the palate, on the, on the tongue, like the sweet, sour, salty, bitter, mm-hmm. and umami, right? We all, we all kind of know that, but like most of the, most of the flavors, uh, are, are coming from your nasal cavity. Mm. And it's the combination of those most. two things that, that create what a strawberry tastes like. Um, and you know, the whole mapping thing, like everybody's perception of, of sweet could be at the front of the tongue or the back of the tongue. Like it, they haven't, they haven't yet still done enough research to prove that that is actually Mm. the way that it is. It's fascinating. And, and to go beyond or not, not beyond, but to kind of back you up in what you're saying about and kind of define. So when I can only talk to beer mm-hmm. because that's what I'm a professional at. I'm not a professional at wine. And I know that this is exactly what happens within the wine industry to kind of go further in your definition of that kind of, uh, green pepper. Is that what you were calling it? Uh-huh. 
I don't know what that scientific word is. Pierzine. Thank you. Um, in the beer, work. yeah. In the in the beer world, we have we have off flavors sure. that we uh, predefine and have pre notions of what that off flavor tastes like. So um, let's say DMS, which is dimethyl sulfate, um, which is a byproduct of malt, and then we boil it off uh, through the boiling process. But if you don't boil it off strong enough, then traditionally it can come off as cooked corn in your beer. Mm -hmm. So, but I taste cooked corn when I taste it. My wife tastes squash. So interesting. Yeah. When, when she tastes squash, she knows I'm, I'm tasting DMS. Hmm. When I'm yeah. tasting cut corn, I know I'm tasting DMS. So when you're taking a Cicerone test, mm -hmm. you yeah. have your own definition of what that off flavor is. And so when she's tasting squash or cooked squash, she's like, I taste DMS. And that's how you get to the same conclusion. Totally, of yeah. the same definition. That is, that's the yeah. subjective part right. with the science back. Yep. And, that, and that's how you would taste... Or uh, take a test. Yep. Or Cicerone. Exactly. That makes sense. Whatever. And I think uh, just more to your point too. A, a lot of what, a lot of what I do as far as like a, a wine goes, and if I'm trying to identify it on a blind, is like I look at the structure. Mm. Right. The structure will tell you a lot of what that grape varietal is. Like if it's high acid, um, if it's if it's broad on the palate, um, if that makes sense, it just kind of like is weighty mm -hmm. on the palate. If it's thin, uh, also alcohol content if you tells a lot. Yes. Let, let me yeah, let me refill you a little bit more. Might as well. Um, so, like structure is a huge thing, and structure to me is what I look for more whenever I'm pairing food with wine, mm -hmm. um, because the way that it interacts with with your mouth and the fats and the oils and the acids that you're putting in your mouth from the food is more important than the flavor combinations, right? So like I could smell dark cherry in this, mm -hmm. but I would never pair this with like a dark cherry dessert, like like a Black Forest Sunday from Brahms or something. Like no way, that, that's going to be fucking terrible. Oh, shout out Brahms <laughs> yeah. right there. It's going to be terrible because the tannin and the structure of this wine will totally clash. clash with it, Yeah. right? And so what you want with this is just like a protein with some nice soft fats to it. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe like a dry aged steak or mm -hmm. duck breast or something. I was going to say duck. And it's, it's going to be phenomenal. Um, now I'm hungry. A, so. ooh, a butterfly backstrap of some deer. Mm. Some venison, yeah, venison. exactly, yeah. and you've got all the. So this is where the this is where the flavor oh. profile can come in. Is like this is super earthy, and like deer and venison can be mm -hmm. have that really grassy, earthy note to it. I've got some butterfly backstrap. Let's let's, let's cook, cook some it. up. Some do with, it with this. Sometime. Do it. I'll bring it over. Okay. Nice. All right. Totally. Last question. Let you get out of here. Okay. What are you excited about? Where do you where do you see? things headed in, in your world and, and what is piquing your interest at the moment? Uh, 
Is this just like a general question? Of I mean, a general question, but also about the industry and about directions you might be able to go. And you know, man, I'm just excited that it's it's fucking coming back. Yeah, um, I'm excited that I've got a, a lot of new talent underneath me um, that is wanting to learn and 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 love being at my establishments. Um, that that's the most exciting to me. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do and what they can bring because, you know, my job is just to give them what they need to become who they are mm. at my establishment. Yep. You know, do your job, do the base of your job. I'll educate you. I'll teach you on these products, but I, I want to see what you come up with. I want to see what you do. Um, I love that leash that you give them too. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's what it's about. I, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't be where I am right now if I hadn't have been given, you know, that wide berth that all of the other owners and managers gave me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was a nerd about all of this stuff and they let me do my thing because they knew that I could, I could sell it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm excited about the future of Tulsa and, and, What's to come from the new young raw talent that's mm -hmm. coming out of it? Because they're they're yeah. absorbing everything. Like I've got guys that are that are reading all the books that I read, and then all of the new books as well. And some of the stuff with their fresh mind and new eyes on it um, is just incredible stuff that I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, you know. So so what about this Torero reboot? Oh man! Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can break news here. Uh, Elliot no. said he was thinking about running for mayor on this podcast, so like, you yeah. can you can break news here. I'm uh, still waiting. Is this that. happening, Elliot? You should run for Absolutely. mayor. We told him that. Uh, we, yeah, and he almost didn't disagree. Yeah, <laughs> he almost didn't. Yeah. Um, but is Torero happening? Like, is that is that your well, next idea? We'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm sl I'm slowing down the expanse until things kind of are standing on their own two legs. Fair, yeah. Fair. Um, but I, I do have a lot of ideas and things that I want to bring, uh, to this town in the future. Um, I just, I, I need everything to be yeah full blown back and then, then we can do it. Can I have a strange answer to your question? Which one? Because the, the question that you just what asked, excites you? what, what excites yeah. and, and kind of going off of what you're saying. Um, I was I was answering basically this question to someone yesterday. Um, and How dare they steal my question? Well, <laughs> no, I, I think I I love this question. You've asked it a few different times, and I walked away from me having a conversation, and uh, I was thinking about you on the podcast and this that, and the other, and I was like, "This is so I so." Well, I can't say where I was because it's for a Christmas present. Oh, you definitely for my wife. can't say that. <laughs> Good catch. Uh, no, yeah, I was that. about to give away something. Um, he was at Rustic Cuff. I, and they were talking about <laughs> <or not. laughs> I, I was at the gas station. No. Um, and they were asking me, you know, how's your industry? How how are things going after the pandemic and this, that, and the other? And Don't you um, hate that question? Do what? <laughs> Don't you hate that question Oh, sometimes? I hate that question. <laughs> Yeah, I do. It, it, it just comes around. But, you know, um, what excites me and what you've hit on is 
there are a lot of people that actually moved here to Tulsa. Yeah, remote Tulsa because, is amazing. Yeah, been because huge. of the pandemic. Uh-huh. And two of my bartenders are transplants. Exactly. And they are some of the, you know, best and smartest people that I've hired because they are transplants. Exactly. And I think that that's a really cool opportunity for Tulsa and to go back to my own question and maybe answer it a little bit, I think that that might be a way that we're going to spread our wings because we're going to have an avenue of these mm-hmm. people coming in yeah. that we get to give leashes to mm-hmm. and they're going to go and tell our story yeah, better, that, than we, better than we tell our yeah. own story because Absolutely. Yeah, when that, we were talking to Nick, we're just not good at Oklahoma in general, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I hate talking. I was very I nervous hate, about coming on to the show because I knew you're going to ask me about myself. I hate talking about myself. Me too. Uh, but yeah, I, you're right. I mean, I've got some transplants working for me, like highly experienced people. You know, running hotel and restaurant management in L.A. and New York, and so like, yeah, I I do give them a big leash because I I want to see what they can do. They've They've experienced the things that I've always wanted to experience, right? Um, and that I've tried to kind of help generate and build here, you know, somewhat on my own. Um, but like, they get it. They get it more than I do. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with them, sort of like leading the charge as yeah. well. So that's a, that's a great answer. I'm glad, oh. <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm glad you came on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. And Thanks cheers. for sharing this wine. Yeah. By the way, this is a, this is a wonderful wine. It's so good. This is wonderful. I mean, I told like you, it was the best glass of wine I've had in the city. It's okay. Subjectively, what do you taste? It's one second. Oh, is I'm, that for I'm, me? I'm, I'm looking at the, you. Oh, okay. You are looking at me. <laughs> no, I'm, like, mom. Oh, I'm okay. putting you on the spot. Let's I do go for I it. do taste the earthiness and the not charcoal, but like the the volcanic, like a different I can tell that the grapes were grown in a different soil than mm-hmm. the wine I'm used to drinking from Flanagan out in California or whatever. Yeah. Like it definitely has that more mineral mm-hmm. both on the nose and, okay. and on the palate. So that's one. And then I don't know what kind of fruit I get, but it's, and this is where maybe I'm not a great. How, how about this? Answer this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it red fruit? Is it black fruit? Is it green fruit? Is it purple fruit? So that to me, it, on my palate, it's a, it's right on the line between a red fruit and a green fruit. Perfect. You got it. Yeah. That's all you got to say. Yeah. That whenever you're, whenever you're talking about it, just like make it general. Yep. Like this one smells like potpourri, gotcha. you know? Dried fruit, whatever you want to say. I'm ready for my psalm test. There you go. Let's go. go. And that's exactly what I tell people with beer is when they're just learning, I tell them to tell me the color that they Mm, taste. Exactly. What kind of color are you tasting with this beer? Synesthesia. Are you you tasting like a honey golden color? Are Mm -hmm. you tasting a green color, Mm -hmm. a red color? What? And... That was spot on. Yeah, that was yeah. spot on. Yeah. Good job. And I know we gave a lot of love to the Chi-Chi. And as we say goodbye, I have to give love to the wake-up call because <laughs> I do think that is the single best cocktail in the state of Oklahoma. Thank you. 
just no, appreciate it. No, it was wonderful to meet you. Yeah, thank it was you great for to meet you too. to this and not being too nervous to answer questions. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for having me. You were great. Yeah, absolutely. You were great. Tell Laura, thanks for letting us borrow you for a couple hours. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> totally. All right. Cheers, man. We'll be right back after Cheers. the break. Thank you. Cheers. And that is Noah Bush, and this is the delicious Cyclops Elephant Skull wine. And, and it's so good. It was fun to learn about where this was coming from and his yeah. point of perspective of, you know, really how to taste stuff and also uh, his background in, uh, in, in this community. And what he's bringing to it is really unique. It really is. If you haven't been to Hodges and had the wake-up call, go. If you haven't been to Saturn Room and had the Chi-Chi, go. If you haven't been to Lowood since... If you haven't had the Chi-Chi, are you Tolson? Probably not. And I can't remember when Lowood brought in their new chef from Washington, D.C. and Nashville. Um, so he was in Nashville, but he was running a restaurant group that also had restaurants in D.C. It, it's it's phenomenal. Oh, my God. It's a different level of cooking. So if you haven't been there lately, go. Go out back, sit there, drink some of this wine, play some bocce ball. Tell TC we sent you and he won't give you any discount, but he'll just say great. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's a blast. And that was a, that was a fun conversation. That was a lot of fun. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, so we will have episode nine at some point before Christmas. That's our goal. That's our goal. Is to get that out. Then we'll take a little Christmas break. And then the aforementioned tease of episode 10 will be early to mid-January. And it'll be, it'll, it, it'll be it fun. It should be really fun. Yeah. Well, cheers, man. We got some more wine. It'll to drink. be let's, it'll uh, the let's do that. It'll it'll be a lot of eating, drinking, yes. and merriment. Merriment. I'm gonna call that. Yeah, in a in a place that is uh, not in here, not here. Ooh, ooh. We gotta oh, stop. Uh, We're saying oh, too much. Uh, I know. Sorry. All right. We'll see you on the next episode of Tasting Room. Thank you for listening. Cheers. 